Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dying Time is here. That's right. This is a Patreon exclusive. We're talking The Visitor 1979 on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from Atlanta, the home of Coca-Cola. That's why I have a 7-Up lamp in my kitchen. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film that is the characters. And I'd love to say this film is chock full of them. I remain unconvinced, but here to help me make that decision is the only person that I trust that when I'm trapped in a rolled over car that is wrapped in uh, a chain link fence, that she will come to my rescue wielding a bat. The one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? Hello, Patrick. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, This is a very special Patreon episode. Why don't you tell our audience why? Um, This is the first of the the highest tier prize that we offer, which is for $10 donors. Every uh, every quarter, they get to choose a movie for us. Um, well, we randomly choose one to pick a movie for us. And uh, the winner, air quotes, <laughs> if you if you want to say, of, uh, of this quarter's tier is Megan Dooley. And she chose uh, The Visitor. I, I, I don't know if that's because she loves us or hates us. <laughs> This might be some sort of uh, long-winded revenge plot. The (laughs) love Megan as I do. (laughs) This was this was the second time I've watched this movie. The first time I was high off of my gourd. The second time I was stone cold sober, and both times it didn't make a lick of fucking sense. So there's something about this movie it confounds both the inebriated and uninebriated mind no it uh it, it feels like it was edited with a cuisinart they just they just <laughs> you know drop several hours of film footage in, in, into a blender and press frappe <laughs> i agree with that 1000% in fact at one point i became convinced that John Houston, who plays a major role in this, oh, this uh, motion the, the, picture, the cast in this is nuts. It's crazy. Like it's a, I don't it's know. A, it's a lot of people who were being blackmailed for something. <laughs> a lot of people owed money to the mob, or they bet on the wrong team in the Super Bowl, or something, because they all show up to slum it, and I do mean slum it in the most nonsensical film. I have ever watched, and I've watched four fifths of Neil Brain's Over. <laughs> I was perusing when I just randomly Googled it uh, to get a cast list, and the, one of the articles that came up was from Vice, and like the 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 main line was like it was like the entire 1970s were put into one film. Yeah, it's uh, my my favorite thing about it is the repeated use of, of what I call a a a, a Starsky and Hutch singer. <laughs> does not go at all in, in a, a movie that seems to be about like the omen if it was like a space devil instead of the actual devil i'm half convinced <laughs> that they basically said hey you know we rip off movies why don't we rip off like rosemary's baby and a little bit of the omen and star wars and the birds enter the, and enter the network <laughs> and close encounters of the third kind and the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Sure. 
and put it all in one movie. Uh, so fucking crazy. That stinger, which I don't have, and I could not find audio of. Otherwise, I would actually go out of my way to put it into this episode. <laughs> it does sound like something out of a black exploitation movie, and it it happens in the movie. I swear to God, twelve, thirteen times. But it and, it, and it's just the most it's just the most random moments too. Like it'll. <laughs> It'll just cut away to the Atlanta skyline. It'll show like John Hughes walking to like a rooftop and just this explosion of like you expect to just see like, you know, a, a, a you know Dodge Charger just flying over the rooftop with this dramatic music. My very favorite part of that little music sting is that it sort of ends almost like the 2001 music. But then it doubles up on it like, oh, they can't sue us now. You're like, wait a second. Are you trying to elude that this is some sort of star baby level discovery that I'm watching a guy get out of his very large Lincoln and he's not wearing a seatbelt? No one in this movie wears seatbelts ever. <laughs> Do we even want to try to take a stab at what this movie's about? I mean, I wrote notes as it occurred. I think there's just, I, at a certain I point some, I stopped. I, I have some notes, but they, they look almost kind of runic in nature. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking back at them now and I'm like, what was I talking about here? <laughs> the thing is the movie in in and of itself makes no sense. It starts with John Houston for what uh, feels like a half an hour staring at, something and then slowly but surely it starts to snow and then a small child is revealed who looks like she did that mrs doubtfire thing of putting her whole face in a cake to disguise herself this is not the first time that that you think you could tell they shot a scene after they were unable to get this child actor back um there's also it's also much more obvious at the 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 of, at the end of the movie. Yeah, there's a lot of like far away shots of her uh, at various points. It's just people in other three-way ponytails, which is a very odd look uh, amongst the many that they give her. Her birthday party, uh, just, you know, whole accoutrement is crazy. There's braids, there's sections of hair. She's wearing what she's appears to be some, a blue nightgown. She's got like some Bo Derek cornrows on one side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you said there's another, another 70s reference. Yeah, it's like she went to the islands. She's the secretary in your office who went to the islands and came back with braids. Otherwise, you would never know. And this begins a theme throughout the movie of John Houston just looking bewildered somewhere off camera. They must have just taken hours of footage of this and said, you know what? We can edit this into the movie whenever we need it. And the thing is the movie never needs it. And yet there it is all the time. Him just looking off camera, his facial expressions never change. Now, sometimes he looks a little, a little surprised. Other times he just looks confused, which are really kind yes. of similar expressions. So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not that, it's not that much of a, of a, of a strain for him. Or he's surprised that he's confused or he's confused as to why he's surprised, but it's kind of the same all the, all the way through. This leads us into a sequence in which Franco Nero 
<laughs> appears to be playing Space Jesus <laughs> and explaining in exhausting detail the supposed backstory of our fight between the cosmic good and cosmic evil. I just, I don't understand why they said, hey, you know, we're gonna, like, if we're going to rip off the omen, we've got to make it a little bit different. And, and then someone said, oh, 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 what if we made it needlessly complicated? Oh, perfect. Well, the funny thing is they're, they're acting as if the concept of God and Satan are, are copywritten. Or, <laughs> so it's not it, the, the evil force that they're confronting isn't Satan. It's Satine. Now, yeah, with a Z, Zatine. Yeah, which is a fabric. It's, it's, <laughs> That's right. It's, it's, you know, they never mention God or the devil or anything at, at any point, but this is obviously who these characters are supposed to represent. But but they're, like, dancing around this like they're afraid of copyright infringement. <laughs> it's like the Vatican might come after them <laughs> if they say the wrong de- thing. A cease and desist letter. Don't mention, <laughs> don't mention the devil in your movie by name. <laughs> it's proprietary. That's someone else's IP. You just can't use that. It's like just dumping Mickey Mouse into whatever you're doing. <laughs> Um, and this brings about, you know, a sequence which a bunch of bored, shaved children <laughs> watch Franco Nero stumble through these lines written on cue cards just off camera. And it also illustrates something that's, that's perfect for this film. If you have this tale of an incredible space battle between these cosmic gods, it's much better to have Franco Nero tell you about it then show you. Of course. That makes the most sense. And, and, he's, and he's such a gripping, engaging storyteller, too. I mean, I, <laughs> I really, really just, just felt and saw everything he was talking about. I mean, he just talks and talks and talks and talks. Meanwhile, John Houston wanders in and looks into this God's conference room and... <laughs> just wanders in and everyone crowds around him like oh yay john houston is here he can't be bothered he walks around this entire movie like he's wearing a hernia truss <laughs> <laughs> just it's like frankenstein after back surgery and sits down and goes oh boy there's another one and frank goes like what hmm, what another what and this time her name is Katie so and so. And then in kicks the ba 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 ba. It's like tonight on Kojak. <laughs> oh man. Listen, that's what this fucking movie needed was Kojak in the middle of it. And oddly enough, it attempts to do that. A little bit later on with the introduction of a cop character played by John Glenn in his. No, no, no Glenn Ford, not John. Glenn Ford, excuse me. <laughs> Glenn Ford in the, in the place in his career where I think he would only accept a role if it paid something or at least gave you recyclables that you could trade in for cash. You got those McDonald's coupons. <laughs> <laughs> at one point he tells a captain, I think, I don't know. Because this guy's just in an art room at the local college. He's, yeah, he's just go go ahead with the, what, we, what he was saying because he I could barely hear half of what he said. He's just like muttering his lines like he could give a shit. Yeah, they don't they don't mic things particularly well if they captured the audio live. But he goes, I don't know, man. You're like, who told you the expression, man? 
He's definitely playing a character probably about 20 years younger than, than Glenn Ford. Yes. I mean, it's even odder than his Coke medallions in happy birthday to me. <laughs> Just whatever he, whatever his trip was at the time, it was real weird, but we slam cut from this sequence in the godly conference room to an ABA basketball game. And this is the Omni in, in in Atlanta. And I guess they captured a lot of this during a real game because there's a lot of people in the stands. It looks like a real basketball game and it goes on like a basketball game for for (laughs) a while. That's right. If you're a fan of distaff, like not quite March Madness, whatever the bottom 64 college games are called, that's what this is. And at one point, the camera person apes like the basketball's point of view. And I really wondered if they knew what basketball was at all. Um, everyone is happy about this basketball game, except for Lance Henriksen, who glowers constantly. Lance He's Henriksen, ne- he, he essentially is playing almost the same role he played in Damien Omen 2. Where we're, oh, is that? Oh, yeah, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. He is so. basically the sort of you know designated protector of, uh, of you know, whatever the, the, this, I mean, like again, it's not the devil. We, we really have to make sure to emphasize that <laughs> this is not the devil we're talking about here. No, it, it's a, it's another child possessed with a different sort of otherworldly being. <laughs> he's, he's nonplussed watching this basketball game. Meanwhile, the two, uh, women who we don't know who they are at this point in the movie are freaking the fuck out at everything that happens. And it just goes on and on and on. Meanwhile, <laughs> into this, not not to them directly, but at a different part of the basketball court, in walks Katie, our let me, let me protagonist stop villain. Let me stop you right there. Sure. I had no idea until I looked up this movie later that this was supposed to be her because <laughs> she's wearing like, I mean, I hate to say, like, I mean, I, I feel safe in saying that this, this actor, she's supposed to be playing a character who's just turning eight. She doesn't mm-hmm. look eight. No, I, I don't, I don't know where they, I'm mean, not saying she looks like 20, but, but you know, she looks way, like she's 12 or 13 years old. The way of that age. this character is treated is so weird and uncomfortable and, and like, she's got like this, like, kind of 70s disco diva hair and like this like she looks like she's got a big jody foster and taxi driver sunglasses on yes she's snapping gum and making eyes at like like the basketball players i'm like i i, I had no idea who that character was i mean and then, to, and then I to be fair to that basketball player if you saw a tween sitting underneath the basket in sunglasses the size of a normal person's face you too would go, the fuck is happening over here? There's an unaccompanied minor just hanging out over here. Can someone do something about it? Meanwhile, she looks and is introduced at the same level of like a villain in season four of Dynasty. That You know right away she's no good. Yeah, they uh they the one thing I really admire about this movie is is as opposed to other, you know, demonically possessed children movies. 
is they don't bother trying to to shock the audience by making this kid start out sweet and then like reveal her evil side. And she she is a rotten turd from the from <laughs> the minute she appears on screen. I, I, she's cussing and smirking and giving all kinds of menacing stares. And I, I, I really had to I actually had a moment where I did go hit the you know, 10 seconds back button because it, it we're jumping way ahead but but her mother ends up paralyzed which is a scene that is unbelievable i, yes. I the scene is like i i thought my my brain had melted that i could not have possibly <laughs> have seen that but but any anyway later in the movie she she um she goes home and she sees the maid who is played by shelly winters yes you, know, you also you know, paying back a gambling debt um, <laughs> And she starts like screaming about wondering where her mother is. And she says, where's my whipping boy? And I'm like, and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's like, you know, I, 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 I don't like when movies, any kind of movies sexualize like, or adult kind of adulterize, I guess, child characters to show that they're, you know, not like, do you remember the movie? Do you remember the movie Orphan? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, she was supposed to be like thirty-five years old. Or something <laughs> Spoiler like word for orphan, but she's supposed <laughs> she's, to be she's a thirty-five. Like, she's like thirty-five who looks ten for some reason, but <laughs> but she's still played by a child actor. Yeah, and she just hits on Peter Sarsgaard's character, and and yeah, to his credit, he's like freaking the fuck out over this. Yes. but but it's really unpleasant and i mean it's obviously it's supposed to be but it's like yeah no please don't don't do this and and there's another scene in the movie where where she has a vested interest in in her mother getting laid and and that is because apparently like 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 payment in in hereditary like this this being satine needs a male body as a host you know whatever yeah. sexism and all that but yeah. so, well come on well, let's get real here. You need a male body. Come on. So, so like she's trying to hook up her mother with with Lance Henriksen's character, and there's a point later in the movie where you know the mother and Lance Henriksen get into a fight, and he calls her, and the daughter gets into bed with her and starts spooning her and nuzzling her, and I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> like, this is not how a mother and child like like cuddle each other i mean you know that's a very intimate thing where you're like spooning someone while they're talking on the phone and like you know kissy kissy hurry up and get off the phone wink wink let me talk to your boyfriend hey wouldn't it be great if you were over here and then we wouldn't be alone and you could make love to my mother like what and then Barbara, the mom's like that's inappropriate case like no it isn't yeah it is you freak it's inappropriate. It's all weird. You're supposed to be eight. Just turned eight. There's no way well, this is happening. Well, as part of the you know the whole thing with the the uh, the movie feeling like it was edited with a cheese grater is that that <laughs> the kid starts out bad apparently. Like there's like a whole scene where where her mother and Lance Henriksen are in bed near the beginning of the movie. You know, they've oh, got fucking the, under a fur blanket. A fur blanket. And she's talking about, you know, oh, there's something wrong with Katie. And it's like, well, you know, okay, we just, ju- we're just going to jump right into this. All right. You know, yeah, there's like, something wrong with her. And then like 20 minutes later, she's asking Shelly Winters, what do you think of Katie? And Katie goes, she's fucking evil. And 
Like, she was like, what? what? Are you kidding me? I've never heard such a thing. You said the exact same thing to Lance Henriksen when you were fucking underneath a, a, 1, 000, a 101 Dalmatians blanket. Why is it different now? Like I said, it's, it's okay that we're jumping around because how we're explaining this does not make the movie any more incomprehensible. No, it really is one of the things you almost have to see to believe because you would never, but I also wouldn't recommend it. It's, it's, I mean, there are moments in it which are crazy, but I, I hesitate to say that it's worth the journey. I mean, for example, if we go back to the basketball game for a second, at one point, Lance Henriksen, we're told, is the new owner of Atlanta's basketball team, which is whatever it was before it was the Hawks. And it, he's being interviewed by the play-by-play announcer <laughs> over his shoulder. Hey, and he grills him like he's running for president. Like, hey. Where'd you get the money to, to buy this basketball team? Huh? Huh? Where'd you get this money? Come on. Tell me where you got the money. And he goes, <laughs> God. And they leave it there. <laughs> yeah, the movie the movie season suggests that the that he that he has sold his soul to the devil in order to have a winning basketball team. This <laughs> is a crazy thing out of all the things in the world to sell your soul for. Would it be to have a winning ABA basketball team? This is not what you, that seems very low bar for Here's what I'll do to take my soul down to the crossroads and make a deal with old Scratch for. I'm sorry, we're not allowed to call him that. Old Scritch? Elderly Scritch? Old teen. Old teen. (laughs) Just like Katie. (laughs) (laughs) At one point we were messaging back and forth earlier while you were watching it, and I described Katie as uh, Lindsey Graham. In tween form. Oh, she's got this accent that is just like it goes from like designing women genteel to like dog patch <laughs> trash. Like there's a one point where she's just just verbally abusing Glenn Ford's character. You could barely understand that 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 drawl is so thick you can barely understand her. Why are you doing here? I'm I'm worried about you. Watch y'all go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's, like, it's like nobody else in this movie has has an accent. I mean, yeah, I get that it's supposed to take place in Atlanta, but mm. I mean, I don't know where they got this kid from. I mean, it's, it's, it's like <laughs> out it, of the Oki Fanoki swamp. Yeah, I mean, she's just got this accent that is in fucking sane. Oh, you want to talk about insane accents? Let's talk about the backstory of John Glenn's character. He wanders into the reality part of this movie in the Atlanta airport and he checks in with the Polish ha- uh, passport and the guy, the very dubbed person who asks him, you know, is this your first time in America? And he goes, yes, it's my first time <laughs> visiting America. Like, well, you sound like a Kansas dirt farmer. You don't sound Polish. What is the point of you being Polish? There would be, it would set off every alarm in your head. Why does this Polish national Sounds like he he was born and raised in Colorado. But uh, we 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 have to talk about this this birthday party scene though. Because <laughs> okay. Her 
her uh, I her, her like, is it supposed to be her aunt? I guess they, they mentioned later I, that it was her aunt. And yeah, I don't kid, know if it's an official aunt or like a kind of aunt. But, the but kid's it, like apparently obsessed with birds, and and so like a lot of their house has like bird decor, and, and she has is it a hawk? Just just flying around the house on uncaged. Yes, you know, pet hawk. The kid's got a pet hawk. This, and no one thinks this will ever go bad. You'll, and you'll no one to, comments on it. Like, you have a live fucking predator bird in your house. And no one goes, hey, that's weird. You, 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 will, you will become intimately acquainted with, with this hawk, believe me. Um, they, they, <laughs> the, the amount of times that we see or hear this hawk suggests that that is where much of the budget went towards. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the aunt buys her this hideous bird sculpture. That yes. literally says, I'm a pretty bird, like over and over again. It is <laughs> the most digitized, it like terrifying. it would you would never ever purchase this ever for anyone that you liked. It's like a bejeweled bird. It looks like I, something I'm a pretty bird. It looks bird, like something bird. you would find in your great grandmother's things after she has passed away, <laughs> where where you argue about who's gonna take this fucking bird. And then we you can't start, just donate it. That's cruel. And then you start passing it back and forth to each other as a gag Christmas gift. Oh shit, I get the bird this year. Fuck. Well, I suppose we could put it in the bathroom. But anyway. And she has she so, has this habit of, of wiping off everyone's kisses. Oh, I love that's actually actually that actually I kind of I kind of appreciated that. That was a nice that was a nice gag. I thought that was pretty funny. So through some infernal magic it's never really quite explained that she yeah. unwraps the package that's supposed to have the bird in it and it has a gun and she pulls the gun out and says look mommy nobody reacts they're just like oh she's got a no they don't say oh she's got a gun they just sort of stand there she throws the gun which goes off and <laughs> hits the mother in the back and she just and then katie the kid just kind of gives this shrug it's the <laughs> reaction like you know who among, who among us has not accidentally shot their mother at some point i wish she really gives an uh-oh spaghettios look she's just like oops <laughs> <laughs> wasn't like, my fault and everybody is just sort of standing around like okay when's the next scene are you in the next scene do you have lines <laughs> for the next scene i don't know we're just waiting for this gunshot effect to go off oh, okay <laughs> Oh, wait, we're filming shit. (laughs) And so the very next scene, the mother is paralyzed from the waist down. Is she kind of okay with it? I mean, we... we, Oh, everyone's okay with this. We we don't get any sort of, you know, as you would expect to see in any kind of movie where where a character is, is, you know, abruptly paralyzed, you know, let alone from, you know, an accident where their own kid shoots them. I mean, you know, I think of a movie like, like, uh, the Garden State, where where you find out that he's like you know, emotionally stunted and depressed because he his mother fell over a dishwashing a dishwasher and broke her back or something like that you know just the, the pain of a lifetime of guilt over injuring your parent you know is you know, the main thing that that pulls this movie along and in this movie nobody fucking cares you know it's like <laughs> she broke it's like she broke a leg skiing yeah it's like ah what are you gonna just, do she's just like happily chugging along in her wheelchair and it's just like you know you know she's got her mrs deagle you know you know uh, uh 
you know, electric stair thingy. And, and she's just, she's totally cool with this, you know, 35 years old and, and paralyzed the waist down for life. You know, she's cool. Hey, shit happens. You know, you know, the, 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 this accident is never addressed except by, by Glenn Ford's character, which is odd to me that this is being investigated. I mean, I, I could see that she, if she had gotten killed, but it wasn't in, I mean, it was an accident that was, you know, kind of like designed, I guess. But what is he supposed to be investigating? Well, I, he says at one point is the, the captain who's in your art room <laughs> is saying, saying, what are you going to, you know, at some point we're going to have to drop this case because it's just an accident. And he goes, yeah, the gunshot was an accident because she threw the gun. But who put the gun in the present is what I'm investigating. And everyone's like, I mean, guns end up in wrapped presents at eight-year-old birthday parties. What are you going to do? It's Atlanta. Like, it's just this scene. Just, just everything you need to know about how weird this movie is and just the the pacing and the tone and the and the editing just just watch this scene because it it's just filled with human beings reacting to things in a way that no normal human being would react to they said i I'm- i just you know again the the nobody in this party even blinks an eye when she just pulls out this gun out of the back, out of the <laughs> I mean, it's even, you don't get a lot of time to really ruminate on it because the next five minutes are made up of a montage of this, of Katie warming up and performing gymnastics cut together with surgery and x-rays of Barbara and her back. And I'm like, what? is this supposed to be like motivation for Katie? Like, Oh, now Katie can become part of the Olympic team because her mom's paralyzed. What movie are we in? Why is this happening? Why are these two events being conflated? And then so like her, her gymnastics teacher asked her, it's like, it's like, how's your mother doing? Oh, she's not, she died or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Big fucking deal. She's in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Meanwhile, what, how am I doing on the, uh, on parallel bars? And and again, this gymnastic teacher done blink and I, oh, well, good. I'm glad she didn't die or anything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the worst things that can happen. Anyway, see you back here on Thursday. (laughs) So, uh, believe it or not, we're only 30 minutes into this movie. It feels like an eternity. <laughs> well, there's a lot. We're, there is a, a lot of padding in, in, in this movie. There's a, there's like the scene that you mentioned at the beginning where where uh, where John Houston appears to be staring at this sort of intergalactic landing strip. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and you know, watches these sort of like, you know, orbs come down from the sky this is it all looks very much like a prog rock album and and, <laughs> and that given the breath of life yeah yeah there's a lot of of you know every like there's really only other there's what two two deaths in this i mean we don't really oh, know yeah there's we, barely any we really don't know we, I mean, we don't know what happened to the 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 two people at the ice skating rink which we'll get to that in a minute get, get oh that, yeah yeah because that scene is that's N- a whole thing that scene is n-u-t-z nuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean john houston climbs up on a rooftop somewhere in atlanta and it appears to direct a performance art 
pace in which a bunch of bald guys um, <laughs> do modern movement behind the screen. And still set to that <laughs> yeah. music. That's the Starsky Notch theme. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Glenn Ford is, you know, somehow trying to uh, investigate this crime in which he uh, looks, keeps going to the house and looking in or just walking. the. People just walk into Barbara's house like it ain't no big deal. Yeah, and then there's a scene which he attempts to talk to Katie, and it, it, he talks to her in a way that suggests he's never spoken to a child in his life before. And, and it, <laughs> Or has it, no idea what the script is. And it, it comes off as very creepy, because yeah. he's like, well, why don't I just wait around for you? It's like, no, you don't say, <laughs> you, an adult man, do not say to a child, why don't I just wait around for you until you're done school? <laughs> Uh, he, but the thing but is, scene, though, but that scene is great because she's just like she's cursing like George Carlin at this, <laughs> at this bewildered middle aged man. <laughs> and he's like, "So where did that mechanical bird go?" And she's like, "I'll tell you what. If you lean in real close, I'll tell you. It's in your ass." <laughs> and then she runs back into this. The the school, which looks like the clock tower from what, Back to the Future. Well, what I really love is wherever she says that, you could hear kids about going, Katie, Katie. Like this was like a like this was like a your mama contest. That she <laughs> They're all listening in. <laughs> <laughs> She's got them on mic and they all have earpieces in video village. They're like, yeah, <laughs> this is <laughs> like it's one of those insult shows. <laughs> no, no, nobody acts like real people in this. So, I mean, the weird thing is, is at no point is she ever seen interacting with other children. Like there, there are, there are, there are kids at her party, but there's no, like, you know, a lot of these scenes where, you know, a lot of evil kid movies, there's always a scene in which they, they, you know, encounter another kid. Sometimes it's a bully or sometimes it's a, you know, you know, a kid they're picking on that, you know, the other kid always ends up getting killed or horrendously injured or something. There's nothing like that in this. They're there. She gets every scene that she has is with adults. And it's very weird. It's super, super odd. Um, yeah. She didn't, doesn't interact with them. Uh, I'll tell you someone she does interact. The person who wanders into this movie in head to toe, uh, Mary Poppins. I wrote cosplay. down, I wrote down. She looks like Mary Poppins. <laughs> Is Shelly fucking Winters, who gives the craziest goddamn performance. It's just out of another movie. She walks under the stairs. She walks around like she's got a secret, like she's investigating. She's got like dead stuffed birds in a bird, like a bamboo bird cage. But that make her feel better. She she's walks under the stairs. And the the um the 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 stair lift starts coming down. She's like, oh, what's that? <laughs> She's <laughs> terrified at this electric chair lift. I mean, you wandered into this house. Announce yourself, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> She's the best character in the whole movie. Let's just say <laughs> she is by default. Shockingly, um, make, shockingly makes it to the end of the movie, which which does not make sense because she seems to be the only one that is on to Katie and tells her, which yeah. you would, which you would think that you know she'd be getting you know the whole you know, you spike through the head trick or or you know stuck under the ice thing you know you know some Damianship, but no, she just she she's fine by the end of the movie she's still around she she I, you know, goes back to she's like space nanny or something. 
<laughs> yeah, she's in on it somehow. Like she's intimately familiar with how this works and but everything. Yeah, she she straight tells Katie, "I know what you are." Katie like just kind of you know, glowers at her, and but that's it. It's like uh, you know, you 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 caused another you know character to get his eyes pecked out by your pet your your pet hawk. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're just gonna <laughs> let this one go. Yeah, this is. See, this is what I I thought the movie might be because at this point in the movie, Glenn Ford um, is driving around Atlanta in in the largest car ever manufactured on Earth. He's found it's he's the found, size of fourteen cars. He's found the bejeweled bird, and and, <laughs> and like any normal person, he is extremely put off by the bird repeating, "I am a pretty bird." It's like, oh, I'd replace it with a gun too. This is a terrible he's present. Like, like sweat is like beating on his forehead while he's looking at this thing. <laughs> oh my god, I gotta get this fucking thing out of my car! But he never gets a chance because he's then attacked by Katie's hawk forever yeah. and he proceeds to drive all over Atlanta causing all sorts of injuries including once I don't know if it's a, a stunt guy or a dummy on a motorcycle who hits his head at such an odd angle that person would never walk again I hope to god that was a dummy on that motorcycle bouncing off his windshield because it I like my anus instantly clinched. <laughs> that is not a good angle to hit an oncoming vehicle at. Um, he eventually gets imagine, both eyes torn out. Imagine, imagine being a stunt man and becoming quadriplegic while working on the visitor. The visitor in nineteen seventy nine. It's like, do you remember? Um, and again, really dating ourselves as old people here. But do you remember the stunt man Dar Robinson? Oh, of course, yes, the okay. greatest stunt man in the world. I was obsessed with him. Do you know? Do you know what movie he died on the set of? Oh, it was something terrible. I million don't... <laughs> dollar mystery. Oh my god! Can you imagine that being his legacy? It's like John Candy and Wagons East being his final movie. <laughs> it's just like that's just insult to injury. Anywho, <laughs> let's return to the visitor. Yes, that reminds me. I have Hooper on my DVR. Um, <laughs> So well, what, are you, Glenn, what are you doing talking to me then? Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. They won't. My, there's no way my wife's going to wait to watch the Golden Globes while I, A, do a podcast, and then, B, hold on. I got to watch Hooper first. That's not going to happen. Um, so Glenn Ford eventually <laughs> collides into a chain link fence and rolls into a public park, at which point it looks like a lot of people who were playing soccer run to help, but one guy's got a bat, a bat in his, in his arms, the way you would to intimidate somebody. I was going to say the angry him for interrupting their game. It's like, who did this? I'm going to teach him a lesson. Well, he's going to get taught a lesson because uh, as soon as they get over there, they a discover that the entire car is wrapped in a chain link fence and they can't get to him. And the uh, gas tank is on fire. And just like a 1973 Pinto, it explodes. And that's the end of Glenn Ford. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's replaced by uh, Shelley Winters singing uh, Shortening Bread <laughs> for five hours. I love her in this. She's so good. <laughs> She's just in a completely different movie. Oh, my God. That's This is when Barbara goes, what do you think of Katie? 
And she's like, uh, she's the devil or devil. And she's like, ah, oh, come on. Like you, you've already talked about this. Every time John Houston uses the stairs in this movie, an angel gets a buzz cut. Oh my God. It's- okay. Now we can talk about the ice skating scene because <laughs> where is, is, well, this a, is this a shopping mall that they're, that it- they're in? Uh, it it it's some mon concrete monstrosity. I mean, because I've he, never he seen is, an uglier we, building outside of what they end up in at the end of the invitation. He it is, is walking down the longest flight of stairs I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, how they got him up there to begin with is they, a mystery. They had to and bring then they're like, with a walk down, seventy-year-old John Houston. He's like, ah, fuck. All right, fine. <laughs> So there's now again, and I, this may possibly be a, a you know a sign of the times that being 79, 80. This kid is eight years old. She's just allowed to just roam around this city by herself. At so, one point, she runs across town when she senses her mom is getting an abortion. So she so she goes ice skating, and for whatever reason, she gets into a skate off. Yeah, with these older, some sort of skate fight. With these older teenage boys that, like everything else in this movie, just goes on and on and on <laughs> and on. And she's, for the most part, just kind of flinging them into, into the, the walls of the rink. And I'm, like, kind of holding for something pretty brutal to happen. I mean, one of the... I, I keep going back to uh, uh, Damien Omen 2 which this movie reminded me a lot of because again, there's a character in that that gets her eyes pecked out by, uh, by some sort of you know, bird of prey yeah. uh, to much more gruesome effect. But um, uh, there is also a memorable scene in which um, a bunch of kids are playing ice hockey and someone falls through the ice and gets stuck under the ice. And, and like, you see their face pounding on the yeah, ice while everyone else is trying to get to them. Terrifying. It is legitimately yeah. Yeah. scary as fuck. I was waiting for I was waiting for that to happen, something like that to happen here. Although I understand that that's a nice skating rink. They don't yeah, have like actual yeah, well, the, water. The thing's but, five but, inches but deep. Would this? But would a movie like this, you know, you know, abide by logic? I mean, honestly. <laughs> Be that as it may, that doesn't happen. But it's like some sort of like Jets versus Sharks kind of, <laughs> you know, you know, battle between these these group of teenage boys and this, you know, quote unquote little girl, which again, you know, she looks like she's like 12 or 13. And the same, so, she's the same size as half of that group of, of ice tubs. So there's a point where they grab her, two of them grab her by her hands and they start spinning around. Out of control. It's like some sort of Looney Tunes thing because she lets go of them and flings both of them to the window of a fun eatery. (laughs) The the momentum of this eight-year-old spinning them around the center of the rink sends them off half a football field away. And they crash over the wall and slam into a restaurant like the fury it's like, did they see the movie last tuesday and wednesday like get me an ice rink i've got an idea it's it's yeah it's like look at look that up look the uh the birthday party scene up i mean i assume some of this could be found on youtube but it's just yeah it's best in highlight form for yeah, sure. and, and this is another one of those scenes where you, you could obviously tell that 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 you know this was not the same actor playing this character. They they I don't I'm inclined to think that they only use this this child actor for like you know close ups of her face, 
and and it is particularly shameless during during the end. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that, but okay, yeah. So. Um, but there's not. I, I, after all of this, I don't think there's anything more ludicrous in this film than John Houston showing up at Barbara's uh, door and saying, "I'm the babysitter." <laughs> you would not leave that house. I don't care how little you care for Katie. You're like. I don't think this 70-year-old bearded man dressed like a, a boat captain from the Jungle Cruise is this child's babysitter. You know, it was the 70s. Our parents were way more casual. You know, we used to, <laughs> we used to make our parents drinks, you know, go to the 7-Eleven to buy them cigarettes. It was a looser, freer time. <laughs> it sure and, was. And, and that's why most of us are on medication now. <laughs> um, At some point, and I, <laughs> at some point, Barbara is uh, taken in for surgery and we get the implication that she, because Lance Henriksen can't get her to agree to marry her, which I guess is the only way he'll be allowed to uh, put his penis inside of her. I don't know. It doesn't it's very make that weird. clear because she like, I, I assume when you're laying half naked with someone under a fur blanket, you probably have either already slept with them or intend to sleep with them. Uh, but, but, they give you the impression that they are fucking. So why do they need to marry in order to make a child? It doesn't make a lick of sense why they need to, why the state of Georgia needs to certify that they're a couple in order for him to make a male child of, of Satan, a Satin. Yeah. I was going to say, don't, uh, don't, 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 don't do that copyright infringement. That's right. I don't, I don't want to be sued by the United Baptist church or whatever the fuck they were afraid of coming after them. Um, so that happens at one point, Lance Henriksen visits, uh, and just the very grand house with the Butler who is constantly peeping in on never a scene has, from network. Ne- never changes his expression once not, not even once. not even when he finds like this board of satanic directors satanic <laughs> board of directors what is this i mean i mean accurately played by a bunch of middle-aged businessmen i will i i will will give it that that this is you it's know, the one scene of realism in this yeah, entire movie <laughs> this butler the at the by the end of the movie they're somehow all killed we we don't see how or who yeah it's like it. the end of the godfather at the end of this only it doesn't make any sense but he just kind of looks around like well i guess i'll be taking the rest of the day off you know <laughs> <laughs> just completely on un, completely unruffled <laughs> oh my god um it's at some point later in the movie they're at the airport and i don't i don't know if they were dropping somebody off or they were picking somebody up it's never explained but katie manages to disappear and then reappear and she's like oh don't do that to me don't disappear on me and they're driving home and their car fails and Barbara wait, 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 you're, you're burying the lead here. Okay. Yeah. They're driving. Yes. <laughs> it's they, never explained how Barbara drives for the Barbara, remainder of this film. A, a paraplegic and her eight-year-old daughter. They're the only, neither people of them in, wearing seatbelts. They're the driving only people in the car. Later. Barbara somehow. Now I, I realize that there are appliances that you can have, you can have a vehicle customized to, to yes. allow a, a, a paraplegic to drive. That's not happening here. She is literally no. just two hands on the wheel. You know, she's driving. I mean, that's the only way I could, I, 
the the this doesn't happen once. This happens at least twice. Oh, all the time. Like it's this, played the, off like it's no big deal. That this movie has you know plays around with how paralyzed she actually is. Like she well, at one point she, when she gets off of that that uh, wheelchair lifter, she uses her feet to hoist herself into the wheelchair. <laughs> and then they, so her car stalls out. She uses her car phone. Yes. Which is very obviously a desk phone just stuck on the seat next to her. <laughs> she also picks up the line as someone's already there. And then mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, what kind of car phone is this? It's a direct line to somebody. She's independently wealthy. She lives in this crazy fucking house. She's got like an arcade for the kid in the house. Yes. It's nuts. This giant three color projector of Pong. That's its only purpose. Is to project Pong on a wall. She's she's driving, she's driving. <laughs> I mean, I really, I I just it, it it it's one of those things. I'm I'm always stunned in in a when I see in a movie just such a blatant disregard for you know, the audience's memory, logic, and again, I I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of this it was mostly came down to very very bad editing and and but on the other hand when she is found later the wheelchair is outside the car which which doesn't make any sense any more sense than anything else in this scene but but well because she passes out and john like there's this whole sequence where you think katie is 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 willing this giant semi to hit the car or something or she's like does it scare you mommy and she's like no it's a fucking truck and the truck passes by stops and the back of it opens up and all of a sudden giant bird aliens jump out of it at john houston's request and uh hypnotize barbara and then pick her up and take her into the back of the truck. And meanwhile, Katie, I can't tell if she's happy, mad. She doesn't know what's happening. Is she? The, does she want something bad to happen to her mom? Or does she not want something bad to happen to her mom? I can't tell. Yeah, I, I, are those, were those beings sent by John Houston? Because I thought that- He wanders were- out of the truck and then all of a sudden it opens up. But I thought that that's how she got pregnant. She gets pregnant before with Dr. Satan when during the back surgery thing. Wow. Dr. Zatine. I completely missed that. Wow. I I, I mean, the thing is, you could be right and I could be wrong. And guess what? It wouldn't fucking matter. Because I mentioned to you that I thought, I, I, I mean, forgive me listeners for saying this, that I thought she got space raped. Like, I thought it was like one of those things <laughs> where, where, you know, these otherworldly beings. I didn't recognize John Houston. I thought he was just. He's what so- he's either. Maybe he's not in charge of them. Maybe he's just watching it happen and doing fuck all about it. Yeah. He lets a lot happen to this poor woman. Oh, he I does mean, not I, care. I, I will say, you know, for you, if you are trying to decide whether or not you, you, you want to listen, you want to watch this movie. If you like seeing a disabled woman get smacked and kicked around, you, you, this, <laughs> This this will you know this has this this movie has everything. This woman, I mean, Dooley this, d- did pick a movie that did lean towards things that you have told the audience you enjoy before. You have a a a sick love of watching people in wheelchairs come to bad ends, and this 
it happens over and over and over again. But Barbara is made of Teflon. Like nothing can fucking damage her permanently. She's dragged up a flight of stairs, knocked back down those flight of stairs for no reason. At one point, at one point, the bird attacks her in her own home. She hides in a bedroom, the darkest bedroom that's ever been. Like inside of a black hole is her bedroom. And you can see the bird trying to get in. And then it stops. The the bird knows how to turn a turn a door. Of course, all birds know. How to enter homes, they just choose not to. (laughs) (laughs) And it stops, and then it slowly the door opens, and it's revealed that it's Shelly Winters, and she has killed the bird. And she says, Don't worry, Barbara, nothing bad will happen to you anymore. And which point Katie comes out of the shadows, grabs the wheelchair, and goes, Come on, Bobby, it's a race, and throws her into a glass waterfall. And no one mentions it again. It's, it's almost as if it didn't happen. No, wait, because no, 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 no. it might not have. Well, no, because then we cut to a scene where it looks like Katie is hospitalized. We're like, oh, well, she's, you know, she needs, we hear voiceover from people. We have no idea who they are. But then they're like, oh, well, she's going to need you know, intensive therapy. And, and it's like, okay, where is this happening? And when is this happening? Is yeah. she... You know, did she get in trouble for flinging her mother into an aquarium? Uh, But then, like, the next scene, she's just back at the house again. Because she can do anything she wants. This is right around the time that Barbara... Barbara's visited by John Houston, who just walks into this house. And this scene is spied upon by Shelley Winters. But the movie is on the second level and the camera just does whatever the fuck it wants. It, It goes up to the railing. It goes back. It moves to the left. It dollies to the right. They just like you watching coverage happen. And John Houston goes, hey, just so you know, you've been space raped. And she's like, no. And she starts doing donuts <laughs> in her own wheelchair. <laughs> and Shelly Winters is like, um, mm, do I want to get involved in this? Uh, mm. And she decides not to and just mournfully sing shortening bread <laughs> one more time. Oh my God. Then, then Barbara goes to a hospital. We're seeing the entire drive of her nonsensically driving herself to this hospital and she wheels herself into a very busy waiting room. She goes up to a nurse and says, is Dr. So-and-so in? She's like, oh, of course he is, honey. And like, there's a billion people there. (laughs) And she's like, make way, crippled white lady coming through. (laughs) And the the doctor is her ex-husband. Who's played Sam Sam (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Sam Peckinpah's like, hey, I'll work on anything. All right. (laughs) I will go anywhere and say any words. I'll do whatever you want. I have a house payment due three weeks ago. And like, sure. Give this lady a space abortion after her space rape. <laughs> so, yeah, and so, that's exactly what happens. Well, he he does that great trick of, of bad screenwriting where a character will say something and then another character will just kind of repeat back to them what they just said. It's like, I'm pregnant. So you're pregnant. I need an abortion. 
So you need abortion. <laughs> you want, and I want you to do it. You want me to do it? <laughs> Meanwhile, Katie senses this after a confrontation with Shelly Winters in which Shelly Winters full on smacks her across the face. Not once, not twice, but thrice saying, I know how to fucking deal with you. And she's like, where's, where's my mama? Where's my whipping boy? And she goes, oh, I'll tell you. She uh, went across town to the hospital and she, Katie, her, her, her dog ears goes up and she runs across town. (laughs) No one ever goes. Did you see that just little white girl run across the entire city? It's like it's a neighborhood. It's it's why don't, you mean, it's like why this is the Andy her, Griffith show. Why not just show her driving? I mean, you just showed a, a, a paraplegic woman driving. Why not an eight-year-old? <laughs> because they only have one car. That's why. They only have one car with a phone in it. Um, so um, she runs all the way across town. But before she can stop um, the, the removal of this unwanted child, John Houston decides, all right, I'm going to do something. And by something, I mean glower from a rooftop. And then so begins a foot chase. And, well, Katie's running. John is walking about as fast as you might expect somebody who, you know, recently had lower back surgery. He's humping along, one shoulder drooping below the other. And it's treated like the car chase in the French connection. It's just and it just goes and goes and goes. At one point, John Houston hides inside a hot dog shack. I'm not fucking around. This isn't something like, is this one of your make em ups? No. He hides inside a hot dog shack and Katie's like, aha, gotcha. And she she focuses with her mind, and she makes a fire escape drop on top of the hot dog shack. And you're like, oh, my God, that's it for poor John Houston. She she finally nailed him. Cut to him across the street going, huh? What? Uh, okay, I'm going to walk across the street now, chasing over. That's it. <laughs> then. But wait, there's more. Because John enters what is set up to be a movie theater. But once he gets inside, it appears to be uh, some sort of theater that's putting on a, a staged rendition of the end of The Man with the Golden Gun. I was actually thinking of uh, Enter the Dragon. Enter <laughs> the Dragon. Skyscraper did exactly the same thing very recently. I watched on an airplane um, in which Katie searches around and starts smashing mirrors with her fists like the Hulk with pigtails. And he's like, uh, I hate to break this to you, but whatever the fuck you think is going to happen ain't going to happen because I'm I'm uh, and, but you, none of the plot is explained as to why they're at odds. These are people who've had very calm conversations just mere minutes ago are now hate one another. And Katie's like rage crashing all of these mirrors. And then the scene ends. It's like it never happened. Oh my God. Um, 
Yeah. And, and then I, this is where my notes sort of run out because I don't, I don't understand the sequence of events. Like Barbara reemerges almost no worse from where, from being thrust through a fucking glass waterfall <laughs> and comes back to the house. And there's Lance Henriksen <laughs> lurking in the shadows. And somehow they knock her out and put her in that automatic wheelchair thing on the stairs. And they've tied a, a wire to her throat to kill her. How does this help them get a, a Zatine baby? How does this work? Well, I mean, the, also the thing about this, this, you know, this sequence is you, you could tell at this point that the, the, the child actor playing Katie was no longer available for whatever reason. <laughs> so they decided to cast an adult actor, which often happens in, in, in movies in which, you know, a child is required to do something that would mm-hmm. require adult strength. Um, but the they make the artistic decision to put the wig on her and have it <laughs> hanging in front of her face so she looks like Cousin It. <laughs> and she stays like this the whole time. And well, then, that's when her face doesn't light up like there's a semi truck inside. Yeah, that's that was weird. I didn't know what that was supposed to be. But and then there's a scene later in which John Houston sets a bunch of birds free, a bunch of very obviously plastic birds, which is hilarious. Birds yeah. that bird, birds that wield switchblades out of their beaks, apparently. <laughs> Who knew? But, um, I don't know. The, I don't so, know what any of it means. The birds what? are the birds are attacking Katie, and and the noises that are coming out of this actor are not a child's noises. No. They're they're an adult woman making like, oh no, stop, help, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like you couldn't even loop this kid's voice in later to to you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't take forty five minutes to loop this kid saying, help, no, stop. <laughs> I mean, no, she's honestly, gotten super saiyan. Like she's a different person at this point. I mean, I guess that's the idea. I, I don't know. And it's just, I mean, the, the ending ending really just kind of, you know, makes me think I didn't understand anything that happened to the, the previous hour and 40 minutes. But so, yeah, I, I this bird, one of these birds approaches, slowly approaches in flight. <laughs> Lance Hendrickson, which I've never seen a bird sort of come in slowly. But it's like he, it's a glide. Like, he's like, you know, coming in for a landing at LaGuardia. He's just like, <laughs> he's just like slowly, menacingly comes into to Lance Henriksen and then just like, a, like a knife or like a dagger or something just like pops out of his beak, and he just stabs Lance Henriksen in the throat, and that's it. You know, he's yeah. he's he's done for. He's and, done for. Yeah, and and so you know, it certainly looks like Katie has been burned to death at the end, but but no, at the end she is brought to to you know Franco Nero's summer camp for bald pale children, and, <laughs> and her head is shaved. And and the interesting thing is, I'm looking, I was looking at pictures of these kids. These kids actually look like their heads were shaved, and I'm like, okay, how much did you have to pay these parents? To, to let them have their kids' head shaved, to be sitting in the background of an Italian sci-fi horror film. <laughs> N- not even a line of dialogue, nothing. This this was like extra scale. But like I said, none of these kids look like they were wearing bald caps. I mean- No, they're I, all shaved. I mean, Franco Nero's got enough hair. He looks like Roger Daltrey. He's just like, he's, he's just 
just got flowing blonde locks everywhere and and you know surrounded by by a bunch of little tiny uncle festers and and you know and like and, and john he's just like well look she's all right now and and she just smiles and it's like yeah like, yep. okay so she was just possessed because you made it sound like she was born like this and and <laughs> You know, and and yeah, yeah. Anyway, th- that's that's the visitor, everyone. <laughs> all her, all her powers, all of her powers reside in her three pigtails. And once that's been shaved off, she's fine to live the rest of her life at Franco Nero's uh, school for kids who don't grow hair good and want to do other things good. <laughs> It's Honest to God, point. this is as coherent as we could describe this movie. I mean, that guy, that is the movie. That, we uh, described you the whole movie from beginning to end. We got you from point A to point B. I don't think we missed anything. No, I mean, we missed everything. There's so many crazy ass details in this movie, but it, you would just go, like, you would have to go minute by minute to make sense of any of them. And I don't think any of them add up to anything. It's just Italian nonsense from the word go until it's finally over 140 fucking minutes. Um, (laughs) It's exhausting. I I had to watch portions of it twice just because I'm like, am I missing something? And the answer is yes and no at the same time. Somehow I understand nothing, and yet I understand everything. <laughs> I've been presented with all the evidence, but is it movie? Is it blanket? You can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this makes watching City of the Living Dead feel like, oh, this is an Orson Welles film, because none of it makes a lick of goddamn sense and they don't care it's not even like it's not even one of those things where it's like oh well it was you know it was an italian and they trained that is badly translated no these are mostly american actors you know m- maybe writing a script that had been written in italian and they you know just put through <laughs> you know whatever it was the 1979 version of google translate and they just kind of read the dialogue but but I mean, this was, you know, it was it, it, Italian production company, but, you know, everything's in English. Nothing was dubbed. Nothing was, 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 uh, you know, it's just, it, I can't even say it was a number of, of, you know, interesting ideas kind of glommed together. It was a lot of, you know, well, Satan is real big with the kids right now. You know, space is real big with the kids right now. Why yeah. don't we try space, Satan, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Like, if this will only work if we make it more unnecessarily involved. And then I don't, I don't, oh my God. That's the visitor. Oh my God. Megan, we hope that was worth your $10. (laughs) (laughs) I hope this was worth it to hear us, you know, verbally shrug for an hour plus. I, I, I didn't. I'm not sorry she recommended this. I it was it was an, <laughs> it was an interesting viewing experience. Although I I do not buy anybody trying to claim this is some sort of lost gem. It's like no, it's absolutely incoherent in in every possible way. It's crazy that you've never heard of before. When Alamo Drafthouse put out this trailer, it was just after Miami Connection had been distributed by them and Miami connection is 
you know, it was this lost slice of crazy time that you could never recreate. You just, you can't make a comedy as funny as Miami Connection because Miami Connection is unaware that it's a comedy. (laughs) And this, I, I, I saw, I'm like, oh, well, this is so many elements of terribleness that I love. This is going to be great. And it is great in a sense, in, <laughs> in fits and spurts, because it, it is nuts. But it's surrounded by a lot of John Houston awkwardly walking places, which it does not elevate the material very much. Oh, it's yeah, just, that, that, that shot of where, like I said, he, for someone who is supposed to be sort of a, a well, I guess obviously... Franco Nero was supposed to be kind of the 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 Christ figure, I guess, in in you know space uh-huh. space Jesus. I I don't I, was John Houston, I guess, supposed to be some sort of guardian angel or something. Yeah, because, I guess he's the lead angel. The, he, he's like, an so archangel he, of some kind. There are many opportunities that where he could stop people from getting hurt, and he doesn't. Like this this <laughs> this scene that scene in the ice skating rink. I mean. <laughs> He, you can see, I mean, he has to be, if he can call birds from the heavens to, to attack people, there should, he should have other superpowers that he can, that he can do. But he just, he just, with the, with Barbara, the mother, he just lets, keeps letting stuff happen to her. He's a, he's a, I I guess his attitude is, well, I'm not your guardian angel. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'll, my job, I, it's twofold is, is to take this one Zatine infected kid back up to the space conference center and make sure you don't make another one. And anything else that happens, my name is Paul. This is between (laughs) y'all. be walking more indifferently down these stairs on this, on this <laughs> just, ice skating scene. He's like, oh Christ, here we go. Jesus. It's just like, just let me know when the camera's on and I'll start walking up and down stairs. <laughs> oh, you need me to you need me to stare at nothingness like I don't know what's going on? Guess what? I'm in the moment. I don't know what's going on. It's like he and Glenn Ford just have a befuddle off. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know which one of them, you know, you know, less understood what they were doing there. <laughs> oh my God. That is a crazy fucking movie. And that's the visitor. That's the visitor. <laughs> uh, thank you everyone. Uh, all of our patrons, uh, patrons who uh, donate enough to to hear this every month. Um, if you uh, would like to be like Megan Dooley and make us suffer through something like The Visitor, <laughs> there's one way to do it. That's to become a $10 level pa- a Patreon and we put your name in a hat and we yank it out. And you have to come up with something The Visitor level good. <laughs> So you know where the bar is set. Any lower, you'd have to push Satan out of the way to get past it. Luckily, we have a couple of months to recover from that before that comes around again. I don't even know what we would do after this that would ever uh, confound me the way this particular film has. I am born anew. (laughs) Come out the other side. Ah. Let's watch Hooper. 
Anyways, uh, that'll do it uh, for uh, this edition of our Patreon bonus episode. Um, but uh, we'll see you here uh, next month. So uh, uh, for myself and Virginia, bye-bye, everybody. I am a pretty bird. Pretty bird. <laughs>